This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome into the first of this week's shows. I don't even know where I am anymore. That's how much this seventh-month-old son is getting to me. Murph, how are you, mate? All good. Life just continues to get in the way with bits and pieces. We were supposed to be in the studio today, but uh, I've had to call a last-minute audible, so apologies, but uh, it's all good. Um, We also were... Uh, throwing a second audible because we, we're not quite sure because of the amount of shows because we sort of had another one pending tonight which i've had to postpone we said rich king was coming on but life has kind of got in the way but we have managed to bring in a replacement which we're not going to disclose who but it's a big guest uh tomorrow uh that we didn't know we were necessarily getting uh when we did uh, we knew he was going to be coming on but we didn't have a time so um unfortunately we're going to push the mock draft draft back two weeks um, but we are going to replace that with an awesome guest uh, later on in the week. So, you know, it's all good. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, I wouldn't say we've replaced Rich. We just had to slide him because today was the only day he could do this week and you unfortunately couldn't make the studio. And it, So we haven't replaced him. Let's, let's not throw Rich a, a, a bad bone here, shall we? <laughs> no, no, no. He, we, we have, we've just brought in a different... We've just called an audible at the line of scrimmage and we've just gone with a different threat for this play. Um, but we're going to need Rich deep in the fourth quarter to to win us the game. Well, 
if the game has just started, we couldn't have started it with a better guest, if you ask me. So today's guest, Rush Nation, is writer for the Texans Wire for USA Today, and he's co-host of the Texans Talk podcast. He also covers the NFL for weinetwork.com. It's Anthony Wood, and it's going to be a strange one because you probably expect an American voice, but he's one of us. <laughs> Hello, gents. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. So, um, what's the weather like today? <laughs> it's disgustingly hot as always and humid. It's you're getting close to sort of thirty degrees at the moment, and God knows what the humidity is. But so it's taken some getting used to. It's definitely not not Britain, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, actually, the weather today has been pretty good. If I'm honest, I think it's about twenty degrees and sunny and. Yeah, real nice sort of early summer. So yeah, it seems well, to have gotten better since I left. Well, we're not <laughs> going to blame you for it, but thank you. <laughs> so what made you move to America then? Um, so I came here and uh, I came here permanently in October. I got married in December to my, my obviously now wife. We uh, we met at high school back in was it 13 or 14. I went there for, I went here for a year, um, dropped out of college, came here for a year because I got the opportunity to do senior year at high school because my family. So came over here and that's where we met. and. I went back to the UK, did university and everything there, and we kept doing long distance for the past four and a half years. And then as soon as I got the option to, after I graduated, as soon as I got the option to come over here, I took it. And here we are now. Love that. Great story. <laughs> so what made you have, go on, left, carry on. No, I'd say it's an awesome story. I, I love that. It's, uh, it's always interesting. I, you know, when you've got not just a long-term relationship, but you've been there, you've experienced it and, uh, and then to get back there, was we we did you go to high school in in Houston or in Texas or was it somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, yeah, Cy- Cypress Branch it was called down in Houston. It was good fun. That was um that was during the Texans four and twelve season. So that was how that was that was the talk of the school for the, most of that year. So it was good fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I um I went to school in Florida high school, and um, our rivals were a school called Cypress Creek. So Cypress seems to be a common thing. <laughs> I bring this up because on their basketball team was a high school prospect by the name of Amari Stoudemire, which for those of you that like your NBA, went straight out of school and straight into the NBA. I think he was drafted by the Knicks uh, or the Nuggets. It was one of those. Um, I can't remember now. I think it might have been the, the... Anyway, I can't remember. Uh, it was a long time ago. We're talking about like 2003, 2004. It was, it was a long time ago. But yeah, it was amazing. They were like our rival school. We watched them play basketball and uh, to see a, a high school phenom go straight in the first round of the... Uh... Oh, it was Phoenix. He went to the Phoenix Suns. That was it. So he came out to me um, <laughs> and watched him come in. So yeah, Cyprus, it just made me trigger that. I don't know why. It was a completely no, no. pointless point. It's funny you should say that, actually, because um, pitcher for the Astros, Corbin Martin, he made his debut the other day. He was actually my year at high school. I, don't, I didn't really know him myself, but yeah, I found out the other day he made his debut and he had an amazing game, so... Small world, I guess. Yeah, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so with you being in Texas, are you a Texans fan? And did you have a team before the Texans? Yes. Uh, f- f- I hate to say it, but beforehand, I was a little bit of a Patriots fan. The first player that I really got into was, was Gronkowski. He was the one who uh, caught my eye initially when I got into football. So Patriots just naturally the team that I followed. But as soon as I got to Texas, obviously, as I mentioned, it was four or 12 seasons. So everyone was talking about the Texans. And that was just before they drafted Clowney and... There was so much talk about it going on. I wanted to learn learn more about the team, so I picked it up from there and, and haven't left them behind ever since. And, and along those lines, how did you get into the media? Then was that before you you moved or once you got there? 
Yeah, so it's funny. So I, I, I played very briefly in the UK before I moved out to the States. I played a little bit of American football because I was trying to find something else to do. Um, and I was having a lot of fun with it, but I had so many injury problems that once I got to the States, it's just it was something I couldn't do anymore. So once I got back to the UK, uh, when I started university, I bumped into a, um, an editor for a company called Real Sport in London. He was the NFL editor. He was the co- one of the coaches at my uh, university football team. Um, and I basically said, look, I'm looking look to... I want to give journalism a try. I want to write more about the NFL because I want to learn about it. And I figured this is the quickest and best way to learn. So I started writing fantasy football for him and then went from, sort of went from there. Yeah, so you are a fantasy man. That is good news. <laughs> for me, it massively helped me learn the game just playing fantasy football. So I, I think you, I'm not going to say you need to do both, but if you do both, it's certainly beneficial it, for learning. It definitely helps. Yeah, that, that was the thing I found was it really helps you f- figure out the background of the players in particular. You, you pick up the names and you, you pick up the squads in, in general a lot quicker if you cover fantasy football. Yeah, 100%. I'd even go as far as say as doing IDP is even more important than just your standard offensive fantasy football generics. I mean, I love the, the offensive side of it and that's probably yes, everyone's base fantasy. But just from doing a few IDP leagues this year, my knowledge of defensive players has spiralled and got out of control just by doing that without even really diving into rosters and stuff like that. So it, yeah, well, I, I started off doing um, waiver wires primarily for the first few months. So every weekend it would be the same thing. I'd spend all of Sunday morning rewatching all the highlights from the, ga- the games of the week and then spend a good few hours writing up all the uh, sort of hidden gems to look out for. So it was re- it's a really helpful way of learning. And if that's a, a, how you want to get into the game, I would definitely advise it. 100%. So who's the best player you've ever met, interviewed, interacted with, past, present, you Ooh. name it? Um, the one that jumps out for me would have to be Ray Lewis. Meeting him was, was unbelievable. Uh, what, the thing that struck me, first of all, was he's not as tall as you'd think. I know that that was one of his, his sort of uh, so-called challenges coming into the NFL was his lack of height, but he's a big guy, but not enormously tall. But he was just, he was everything you'd want him to be. He was a really nice guy, really good to talk to. Um, I got to meet Jonathan Ogden the same day as well, and he is enormous. I mean, he is huge. That that was a, that was an absolutely fantastic day. That was at the um, one of the Ravens training sessions in London a couple of years ago. But I think they're they're two of the ones that definitely jump out in terms of non Texans for me. I agree. Yes. They're they're big big guys. Um, Ray Lewis <laughs> always comes across as just a really phenomenal human being. Yeah, it's just some guys who have that kind of charisma that is so natural that you just can't help but really like the guy. Um, and I think it's quite rare. You get people that get media training, but there's certain people, and I think Ray, Ray Lewis fits in this for me, is a, is a person who never needed media training. He just comes out yeah. and just looks like he has fun every single day. Always got the biggest smile on his face, but a proper professional. Yeah. And, you know, I, it reminded me a little bit. There's very few players, but one player in this draft that, that got me in that, that same way was Devin White in his interviews. He just looked like he just was having the time of his life when he got drafted and after he got drafted and that positive attitude. And you can see why he's such a leader in the, in the dressing room and why he ended up with a couple of Super Bowl rings as well. Yeah, and it's, it's so easy to see, like you said, well, as soon as you see him, he's, he's so easy to talk to. He's very personable and he, he's more than happy to spend time with absolutely everybody. That's, that's, and, and you can't say that for every NFL player, unfortunately. You do come across some who, who don't really want to talk, who want to be left alone, but he certainly wasn't that kind of guy. He was more than happy to talk to absolutely everybody. He was taking pictures with everybody. It was really good to meet him, a really interesting guy. Awesome. So we have uh, probably a couple of questions that we ask our guests and seeing this, this is your first time on Five Yard Rush. 
some of them aren't relevant because they were about last season. So that's completely pointless now. But the one that we ask every single guest is, what advice would you give to listeners who want to talk about their passion football or whatever it is that they want to talk about, whether it be model boating or caravanning? If, yeah. if you put a passion, what advice would you give to our listeners who want to start talking about it? The key is to bury yourself into it. If it's something that you're genuinely passionate about and something that you really believe you have a good knowledge of and that you could really contribute in, then you need to bury yourself in it. You need to spend as much time as you can at home on the internet, watching clips or doing research or whatever it is you need to do to further yourself and make as many contacts as you can. You can never have enough contacts in terms of networking. It really, really helps because there are a lot of good people out there who will respond and who will give you good advice if you can just if you just reach out to them. That's the initial thing. Everyone, don't get me wrong, it's not necessarily an easy business to break into, but once you get one or two contacts in it, they will link you with other people and so on and so forth. So really bury yourself into it, get as much knowledge as you can, and I think anyone can do it. Yeah, well, Murph and I are doing it, so that is... (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think, do you know what, what you said there, I wouldn't apply it just to, to writing, but to a future career whatever you do even if it's just like you do this as a hobby and and a lot of the common advice we get is don't ever go into this and expect to make money out of it just go and do it for passion and see what happens and just what 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 will be will be um and and we're the same you know we haven't earned a penny from from this podcast and well 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 well, you say that you say (laughs) that i've had somebody put an order in for a hoodie today Murph. oh so you don't share that okay but we're not going to make money off that are we how much we charge for the hoodie oh, that's true <laughs> vintage limited edition signed by you and me now that would devalue it we definitely don't want to sign it. Uh, okay fair. But, <laughs> but yeah I, you know I, I i i'm in a profession where networking is is heavily important it's how you get you know business done so i i take that advice listeners in whatever you do you can never ever meet enough people in this world um just the experiences you have and you know i've met people that um you don't speak to for about seven or eight years and all of a sudden they pop up in your life and they're just like, Oh, hello. And then it actually turns out to be like almost like a fate sort of thing. So do, do follow their advice. If if you're not going to do it just for writing or getting into sports, but just for anything, because you never know when it will pay back for you. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you can never have too much information on a subject. You can have too much of the wrong information and gathered from the wrong sources. But if you've got viable sources, then those people are going to provide you with, constant information that you can just increase your knowledge base with so keep reading keep writing keep listening whatever it is just keep at it definitely one of the things i was told when i first got into it was be 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 wary because obviously talking about an american sport like this i was told that there would be a lot of issues with my accent i was told that i wouldn't be taken seriously by uh, american viewers but i didn't really pay too much attention to that and i spoke to um a guy called john mcclain here who's huge in the Houston sports scene. And I, I, I asked him about that. I said, Look, what do you think about this? I was told that uh, a British guy talking about American football wouldn't be taken seriously. And he went, that's the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. He said, the important thing is what's coming out your mouth. If what's coming out your mouth is good content, people will listen regardless of where you're from, what accent you have. So I think that's, that's the biggest piece of advice I can pass on from that. That's a, that's a good one. It's a, it's a good piece of advice. Um, look at Tony Romo. He came out and absolutely started crushing it and people necessarily weren't expecting that to happen and was delivering a lot of insights and then you get Jason Witten come out the following year and, and doesn't deliver anywhere half as half as much and the difference is chalk and cheese is you, you can see Tony Romo spends not just hours but weeks preparing for everything he does and that's that's why he's as good as what he does it's not all natural it's not just all playing he still reads up as if he's a quarterback and that's your difference so 
Yeah, definitely. So let's talk some 2019 NFL. What are your thoughts on the Texans draft and off-season acquisitions? It's a bit, it's interesting because it seems a lot of people believe it's very hit and miss. They believe it's been a very questionable draft, to put it lightly. They've been slated on uh, around the board by a lot of people here for who they drafted and free agency was so quiet that a lot of fans are quite unhappy. I think they've been quite clever. I think they've brought in a couple of good players in free agency. Look at cornerback, for example, uh, Body Calhoun, one-year deal. Yes, I know it's short-term, but he's a plug-and-play starter. Bradley Roby, one-year deal. Again, another plug-and-play starter. They may not be a Patrick Peterson or a Chris Harris, but I was speaking to Solomon Wilcox a few weeks ago, and and he described them as plug-and-plays. The same as Deshaun Gibson as well at safety. They are players who can instantly come in, and they will have an impact, which is good because the players they've drafted, most of them have come from smaller schools or most of them need a bit of developing. Look at cornerback uh, uh, Xavier Crawford and Lonnie Johnson. They've got plenty of potential and they've got pretty good ceilings, but they need some work and they need time. So what they've done, I think, is quite clever. They've brought in players who can cover them in the short term whilst their long-term solutions are developing. You can't necessarily say the same at offensive tackle, which is obviously one of Houston's biggest issues. They've brought in a player that a lot of people believe they, they somewhat reached for in Titus Howard in the first round. I think he was a good pick. I think he's got a very good ceiling, but he is a bit rough around the edges. He needs some work. I don't think his footwork is perfect. And and there's various other aspects of his game that need a bit of work. And you could say the same for Max Sharping, the offensive tackle in the second round. But I think Sharping in particular, actually, for me, is, is a week one starter. And I think they have drafted some players who are going to improve this offensive line and this protection for Deshaun Watson in the long run. And that that really has been the focus of this offseason has been in both free agency and the draft, protect Deshaun Watson. I mean, he was sacked 62 times last year. It was a league high. It was absolutely ridiculous. So by bringing in two enormous guys in Sharping and Howard, and then also in third round tight end, Kahale Waring is a bit questionable at the moment because he hasn't played much football, but he's got a lot of blocking experience. And that I think is going to help him settle in initially. And they've also brought in tight end Darren Fells, very experienced blocker. Then they brought in uh, Cullen Gillespie, a fullback who can also block. He was a linebacker at one point. It's, it's easy to see that their focus has been on, right, let's build a wall in front of Deshaun Watson and then we'll take it from there. So I think they've had an okay offseason despite what a lot of people have said. And there, one player in particular that I would look out for is fifth-round pick um, Charles O'Menehue. I think it was an absolute steal, defensive end. He's got fantastic range, fantastic length. He's, he's got, there are, the problem with him is the reason he drops so far is because there are some plays where it, he somewhat disappears. It's a bit like Clowney in that regard. He disappears on some plays, he doesn't show much, but then other plays, he jumps out of the footage. He got nine and a half sacks last year. He was big 12 defensive lineman of the year, and yet he fell to the fifth round. So yes, there are concerns, but I think they really could have gotten a good steal with him. And especially now that the Texans, they, they let uh, defensive end back up Chris Covington leave over the offseason. And now that Duke Ejiofor is out for the season with an, uh, with an injury, we expect to see quite a lot of him this year. So I think overall they've had a decent offseason. Yeah, you know, I'm actually a big fan of, of, of Waring. I think he, he really could be quite special. I mean, he, he is raw, but he's got so much athletic ability that he is the sort of person with, you know, Bill, Bill O'Brien is, is a coach that is somewhat criticised for either avoiding glaring needs and not improving them or just seems to be consistently going with the same playbook and schemes. But the one thing he is, is he's a very good coach. He's very good at getting players and getting the best out of them. And he's never had the whole roster of superstars. I mean, this is this is as good a roster as, as you'll see there for, 
uh, a few years, I reckon. And I think you know he will he will get the best out of, of Waring. I think he'll be he'll be pretty good. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't really like the Titus Howard pick. I just thought it was really panicky, given the fact the Eagles traded up um, and took your took your guy before uh, you had the chance. I just think you could have you could have maybe slept on him. But you know, Rappaport said on the coverage, he said you know there were two guys on the board there, um, and you got the other one. So clearly that the coaching staff have identified something in him. So I think it, it's a wait and see. It's good to see that you've actually addressed the line, and it's something that I think. It's been a bit of a joke in terms of in the media, and we've made it on here. I've made that joke that you know the Titan or the we did a mock draft, and I was like, well, the Texans should go uh, offensive line here, but you know let, let's give them a tight end or let's give them a, a wide receiver because uh, it's just kind of what what they've always done. They've always not filled that hole. So I think yeah, it'd be good to see that they make the most out of that and and improve because they've got the fundamentals of a really good team and a playoff team. It's just. It's, as you say, 62 sacks is, is not good enough. I, I, I'm i keen to talk through a little bit about the rookie camp. It was this weekend, wasn't it? Did you have a chance to, to go down and do you have some insight you can share with our listeners? I didn't get a chance to go down, unfortunately, but I made sure to watch as much of the footage as I could. And I spoke to a couple of people who were down there for the, uh, for the only day that the media were allowed. Um, and by all accounts, it went pretty well on the whole. There were a couple of players in particular, two, the two cornerbacks that I mentioned, Crawford and uh, Johnson, I would say they looked rusty. They were, but it's to be expected, to be honest. As, as Bill O'Brien said afterwards, they've been working the past few months on getting in shape for the combine, or as he put it, and this is my favorite quote of the weekend, the underwear Olympics. And, and he's right. They're not in game shape. They're not in game form. So I think give them a bit of time and they'll, they'll get a bit better. But So they didn't necessarily have a fantastic weekend. The player that really stood out for me over the weekend, and I think this has been across the board, has, has been agreed, is... Um, Again, Kahale wearing the tight end. He, he only played his senior year in high school. He's played every other sport you can think of, water polo. He's done cross-country tennis. So he's an incredibly athletic guy, but he is big. I mean, he's six five, six six, something like 225 pounds. I mean, he's a big guy, but he's very flexible, very rangy, and very athletic. So I'm really interested to see how he does. Because this, if this weekend there's anything to sort of go off of, I think the Texans may well have, have done a very good job there, despite what some people think. Um, but on the whole, I think I know that O'Brien seems pleased with the offensive linemen that they brought in. And apart from that, they've been relatively quiet on in, in terms of how the other players have done. They haven't said much about Gillespie, for example, seventh rounder. One thing I will say is that for a fullback, he was actually seen doing a lot of receiving drills, which I think says a lot of his versatility. And the fact that the Texans are going to look to use him, not just in the running game, in the blocking game, but also possibly in the receiving game as a backup slot receiver, I'd say, or a backup um, running back option perhaps but so it's going to be interesting um, and rookie minicamp obviously it's only a small little glimpse into the coming months and what to expect but I'm optimistic good nice. I, uh, I listened to the Locked On Denver Broncos podcast today and they were talking about how I think it was probably yesterday it was first uh, vets and rookies uh, training together and then obviously Joe Flacco came out and said uh, that he's, it's not his <laughs> job to be training the backup quarterbacks, or which I, I, you know, people were saying it's selfish enough, and I understand it because he's if players taught players, there'd be no point in coaches. So, but then people want to hear that they're the guy they've brought in to mentor Drew Locke or whoever they'd selected as their quarterback is going to be sort of helping him, helping him out, and it doesn't sound like uh, Flacco wants anything to do with them. So, so I, I think it especially if you're not plugged in like yourself and you're just hearing it through podcasts and, and stuff like that. Sometimes rookie mini camps and mini camps can be a bit swayed in information. 
yes and, and, and possibly put the panic amongst well, certainly the fantasy community because I've got Drew Locke in place to now I'm thinking well if Flacco's not going to help him is he going to be any good for me and I don't know. so thinking too much about it I suppose <laughs> I, I wouldn't worry mate because if you listen to the around the NFL podcast today Mark Sessler has pretty much guaranteed that um Drew Locke's going to be playing at some point this season so much so he invited Chris Westling to take anything from his house if he doesn't <laughs> yeah, I heard that. And then he said also, and then he re- re- rebuttaled with, uh, well, I'll take anything from Chris's house. And, and then they, they, they decided, fell away uh, from it. <laughs> yeah, because Chris said, I've got some stuff in my house I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if he drew locks, does play this year, then, then that's fine. But I'd like him to sit behind Flacco and, and learn his trade. Obviously, learn to move a bit more than Flacco does because Flacco can't move at all. But whatever. I was going to say, what, what do you make of the rest of the AFC South off season so far, then, Anthony? I think it's been, in some regards, it's been relatively quiet, especially in free agency. None of them had any huge additions. I mean, the, the Colts focused on re-signing a couple of players, Desir, for example, Margus Hunt. They brought in Devin Funchess on a one-year deal. I think he could prove to be an option at wide receiver, just a, a bit of a deep threat, but he's dropped off so much the last couple of years. That sort of explains the one-year deal. They're, they're just giving him a chance to prove it, and if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. Uh, Justin Houston, I think, was an interesting pickup. They needed edge threat. They needed another edge threat, so I think that was a good signing. The Jags, the Jags, I'm finding really hard to figure out. To be honest, I understand why they brought Nick Foles in. I'm still not 100 percent convinced, to be perfectly honest, that he's going to be the same player he was in in Philly. But let's wait and see. I suppose I think a lot of it depends on that offensive line. I know they brought in one or two players in 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 uh, the draft to hopefully help that offensive line, because uh, but. I think Juwan Taylor was a bit of a gamble because much like the rest of that line, he has a bit of an injury history. So I think, yeah, that, that was a bit of a gamble. And I'm not, so I don't necessarily think the Jags have gone about it fantastically, especially now with um, Smith opting to take a year off. They suddenly have a very big hole at linebacker. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do this year and if they can b- bounce back off of last year. Um, the Colts... Did well in, in the draft. I think the Titans did very well in the draft. I think of the of the, the group, the Colts and the Titans probably had the best draft in the AFC South on the whole. They got, especially the uh, the Titans, they brought in some real big targets for either Mariota or Tannehill, who ends, whoever ends up starting. So it's going to be interesting to see who actually starts at quarterback for them because I think that will decide a lot of how they play. So it's, it's, it's interesting from the Texans' point of view because I think both the Colts and the Titans have massively improved, especially the the Titans on defense, so I would be slightly concerned if I was Houston. That's fair, especially if you give up as many sacks as you did last year. Precisely, yeah. I'd, I'd argue that your divi- that that division is probably the most competitive of the AFC. I mean, the AFC North has um, probably looked to on paper become a little bit more competitive because the Steelers have lost Antonio Brown. There seems to be a bit of, and they've lost Evan Bell, and there seems to be something in the dressing room that isn't quite a balance and they need to address that. So you wouldn't expect it to be as strong. The Ravens have got a quarterback who can't throw a football. So, you know, <laughs> they might have won a division, but he can't throw a football uh, properly for a consistent period of time. So until that happens, they're always going to be vulnerable, even as the champs. And you've got the Browns who have massively sort of improved. But, you know, the, the, the thing with your division, there isn't a weak team in that division. There isn't a team that you look at on paper and think, yeah, the, I mean, the Jags, the Jags, you know, a, a year removed, a year and a bit removed from the AFC title game where one botched call 
and they're in the Super Bowl and they've got all the defensive talent and haven't lost that much and they've upgraded at quarterback. I don't think they need an elite quarterback. They just need someone who can throw a ball Actually, and not bit. get intercepted. <laughs> yeah, basically. And and Nick Foles, like, listen, Nick Foles is a player who he won a Super Bowl MVP, so he, he earned some respect there. But, you know, when he was a regular season starter, he was never really anything particularly brilliant. There's a reason he was a backup. But he does have certain attributes that will be attractive there and an offensive coordinator he knows, which is, you know, if they if they had some weapons there, I think he could be half deadly. But I don't think they're a, they're a weak team. I don't think they are what they're going to be last season. My concern with the Jags is wide receiver still. I'm just not 100% convinced by this this wide receiver call. Marquise Lee and Didi Westbrook, they're fine, but I'm still not seeing that huge amount of talent that they really need there, to be perfectly honest. And there's so many question marks at running back with regards to Fournette. We don't know what to expect from him. We don't know what his attitude's like, his fitness is like. Something is wrong there. And that the only, I mean, they brought in Raquel Armstead, who I think could be an interesting pick, and I think will definitely get some good game time. But the only other running back they brought in, as far as I'm aware, was Alfred Blue. I mean, he's not going to have much, if any, of an effect. Oh, no. He, he, he might as well not be there. Yeah, the only position on offense that I can honestly say I think they improved on was tight end with Josh Oliver. Other than that, I'm, I'm just not 100% convinced by that offense. The defense has so much talent. There's no questioning that whatsoever. Um, obviously, with Smith out, Quincy Williams is now going to get a lot more. The rookie will get a lot more game time. But there is so much talent on this defense, especially with Josh Allen there. It's just a case of can the offense keep up? Yeah, I think it will. I think it will just take some time. But I think everyone in that division, that's what I mean, it's competitive. I if I'm looking on it on paper now, I I couldn't call a winner. It'd be very no. easy to say the Colts, but I, I you know they they started so badly last year. Yes, they they dragged themselves into the playoffs and and got better with every game. And you'd argue that they ended the season on form, but they can be dismantled just as much as any team in this division. It's just going to be who gets the best start and can sustain it, I think. Absolutely. And it's going to be, I think the Titans definitely have it. I would still say it's just about the Colts is to lose, but I think the Titans are definitely chasing after them with the, the defensive additions they brought in. Amani Hooker, for example, in the secondary. And uh, David Long, I think, was an interesting pick on on and uh, Amani Bledsoe as well. So they've, they've done a good job on defense to bulk up a bit because they really needed to improve at positions like strong safety with Vaccaro. He's just not done the job. But I really, I look at this this Titans team and I see AJ Brown, I see Corey Davis, I see I see uh, Michael, uh, not Michael Pruitt, so Johnny Smith or Delaney Walker at tight end. They've got some big targets. And then with Derek Henry in the backfield as well, This if they can get the quarterback situation sorted, they've got a, Good offense. It's not happening this year. I think that's that's going to be their question mark. That you've got Marcus Mariota, who just he won't play sixteen games. He just isn't durable enough to play sixteen games, and they haven't got anyone behind him who's going to be able to come in. Well, but what do you do? You not think that Tannehill is going to be a good replacement then? No, I, I don't think Tannehill is. is no. I mean, I just don't see him. You've got a fourth offensive coordinator in five years. You've got yes. There's just too much inconsistency there. I don't think Tannehill is the guy long term. I think yeah, okay, he's better than Blaine Gabbert. You can't really argue that. But I, th- I think they're going to be in a very similar situation. If I'm brutally honest with what the Tampa Bay Bucks were last year, I think Mariota is going to get go down hurt. He'll get a, a couple of games injury. Tannehill's going to come in he'll do just about enough and then it'll be every week controversy who starts is it Mariota is it Tannehill and and that I think you needed to bring in someone who was going to challenge for the job straight away and go for it or you needed to bring in someone that 
was a young talent that you could develop and give him some time and see what happens. I think to bring in two quarterbacks of a similar skill set and a similar sort of talent wise, I think I just see the controversy every single week. It's going to be who starts Tannehill or Mariota. I don't see anyone playing consistently all through the season. I think that's going to be um, a real problem for them because they're also going to be learning a new offensive scheme. Again, Marcus Mariota is learning his fourth different playbook. Like it's just nuts. That, that that is allowed to happen. But one 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 thing I will say, I think the reason why they didn't bring in a, a young quarterback is I see I, I think I see this as as Mariota's last chance, to be honest, to prove himself. He's getting towards the end of his contract anyway. I think it's a this year or we draft another quarterback. I think this is his last chance to prove himself because it's not like he doesn't have the weapons around him now. He can't blame a lack of receivers or anything like that. So I think this is the big year for him. If Tannehill ends up coming in as a replacement for him. I think that's not a sign that Tannehill is going to be the long-term starter. I think that's a sign that next year they're going to draft a quarterback. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Um, last, last question before we move on to some fantasy then is um, Texans are coming over this year, first time ever. Are yes. you coming back to cover the game? I have absolutely no idea at the moment. I'm hoping so, but it's just a case of uh, wait and see, to be honest, see if we can get ourselves on a flight and see if we can get ourselves the credentials for it. I'm hoping so. It would be amazing because... Not going to lie, when I, when I, as soon as I moved here, one of the first things I remember saying was, I bet the Texans are going to get a game in London this year. I bet it's finally going to happen. It, I, I wasn't surprised. I was slightly annoyed because I've been waiting for it for years, but it is what it is. So I'm hoping to come back for it, but wait and see. But I have no doubt that the uh, Texans faithful will turn out in their, in their thousands for them. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Well, if you do make it back, beers on five-yard rush, that's for sure. Excellent. Can't wait. Okay, let's talk some fantasy. It's what we do. You mentioned it earlier. <laughs> Let's dive in. So how many leagues do you currently play in? Um, if I remember correctly, I'm coming off of three last season and I think two or three this season before. Uh, fantasy football for me is funny. I wrote about it for a long time. I follow it very closely, but I, I'm so bad at checking my leagues consistently that I constantly leave it for a week or so, come back and half my lineup is injured. It's ridiculous. I always have a habit of accidentally of drafting the players who somehow they, they're coming off of an absolutely solid year and then they get injured that year. It's the same thing every season. Okay, so what we need to do is you need to give me a list of the players you're going to draft, <laughs> and then I won't touch them. <laughs> Will do. I'll make sure to send you that list. So how did in your two or three leagues, how did you get on? Did you win any championships? Uh, if I remember correctly, I got to the playoffs in one, but I did not win any championships. No, injuries ended up being the, uh, getting the best of me, unfortunately. Like, it cost me too many points. Yeah, that's all right. I'd only won one and I was in way too many leagues. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, not winning. There's no shame in not winning. <laughs> There's always next year. That, that's very true. I mean, I'm already in, Murph, how many are in already? 10, 12? I, I don't get this. There's always next year. Wait, no, no, no. You play to win. It, it, yeah, but it's all Texans about the winning. <laughs> that's, the te- that's the Texans mentality. It's always next year. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Listen, Murph, it's, e- it's, it's easy for you to say that, winning four of your five or whatever it was. Three or five and lost the final. It's not, <laughs> it's not about that. It's just about, I, I just think you've got to, I, I just, I've always got to play the win. I just, even if, even if I fall short, if I know that I've done everything, then I'm all right with it. It's process. Oh, wait, wait. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not saying I don't play to win because I do. I made over half of my playoffs. But, yeah. you know, I'm just looking forward to the next year when I can try and go a bit further. I'm never playing for second. Nah, it's all Second is first loser. But, I mean, I'm I'm a Texans and a Man United supporter, so I mean, if I, I I have to convince myself every year that it's always next year, I've just had to set myself in that mindset now. Well, we'll we won't talk about Man United because that's <laughs> that's an entirely different podcast that will take far longer. 
you know, that, 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 I, I, that is going to be like solving world peace. So it's painful. It's yeah. painful. <laughs> Better people to go to. So, Anthony, what, what formats are your favourite to play in fantasy football? Oh, that's a tough call. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough call. I think, I think, oh, I honestly don't know if I can make that call, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I love it all. I really do love it all. I'm not picky when it comes to the format of the league. I'm sorry. I know that's not the answer you wanted, but I don't no. want to rock any boats here. No, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right with that. I think, I think <laughs> they all have merits. They all have different, it's like playing different games, isn't it? It's, it's, that's that's the thing. I'll give I'll give anything a try, and I'll give them all a try. Yeah, I'm not sure standard is. I don't enjoy standard. What? I don't. I just I, I like getting points for receptions. I don't know why. <laughs> I, There's I nothing just, wrong with standard. Standard's fine. Like it's not. It, it's like it's just standard. It's like a dairy <laughs> milk. Standard's like a dairy milk. It's a good solid chocolate that you will enjoy and you'll be very happy with it, but. PPR is like the caramel. Um, you know, you no, 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 no. I'd have to agree with that. I'm afraid. Sorry, you can't. You can't go. Dairy milk is a solid bar of standard chocolate. You can't add an ingredient and compare the two. <laughs> no, of course you can't. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? PPR is standard. Just you give points for reception. It's the same game. Yeah, exactly. So you should compare it to like a a, a galaxy solid chocolate not not a Cadbury's chocolate with something in the middle because well, no, that's what PPR is it's just an addition to a standard league you just exactly. give away a point so for reception when are you when are you ever going to choose the ch- plain chocolate over chocolate with caramel some people prefer plain chocolate let's do a poll we'll see I, I prefer plain chocolate if that helps there oh Anthony look this is a, that's <laughs> it great Rush Nation will catch you next Right, okay. So considering you like playing chocolate, how do you strategize for buying that chocolate? No, I'm joking. So for your drafts and stuff, do you have any strategies? I try I try my very best to find the hidden value in players. Obviously coming off of writing for the wave about the waiver wife so long. I try to find value where other people miss it. So I look for players who I think are gonna have a breakout year or players who I think are not I think the key for me is you look at, you're not just looking at the players, you need to look at the offensive line, particularly when it comes to receivers and tight ends and running backs. If an offensive line is improved, then you can almost guarantee that the production of the receiver or the running back will improve as well. So that's something that I really focus on is offensive lines over the offseason, which ones have improved, which ones have depleted. Take, for example, uh, David Johnson. Let's be honest, he's been appalling the last, he's either been injured or just non-existent the last couple of years. And you could put a lot of that down to that offensive line last year in particular. And I think he's the perfect example. Everyone was still clamoring for him last season. And at one point I thought he was the one to go for as well. But you look at that O-line and it, it has destroyed him and it's destroyed it, it's, it's destroyed his, his um, pro Bowl potential over these, these last couple of years. So for me, that's the key. Watch the O-line. See who you think is going to break out. And then the thing for me is once, the, once you've concluded the draft and you're actually in the season, the thing I do most of all is keeping a close eye to as many highlights as I can to try and find waiver wire players. Because you, you need backup plans. You absolutely need a, a plan B, a plan C for when your players be, become injured because it will happen. You may have a brilliant squad come week one, that, but they will drop like flies at some point if my experience is anything to go by. Perhaps I'm just drafting the wrong players. Who knows? I don't know. Look, man, we always say, you know, you don't win league at the draft. And most of the time, players you add on the waiver wire will take you to the championship. So exactly. you get the foundation at the draft. And then 
and then you, you build your bricks and you get to the roof and you stand on top championship winner by playing the waiver wire correctly. So can't Certainly. Be... What lessons have you learned from this season that you're going to take into this year's fantasy football? I mean, I'm not talking dairy milk and caramel or galaxy, <laughs> like that, but fantasy football-wise. The one that I picked up this last year, to be honest, is, is what I mentioned about the offensive line. That has been the biggest thing for me is... is... You need to watch that because that will so significantly affect the production of these players. And another thing I, I think I've noticed is, is before you draft them, have a closer look at their injury history because that will have such a big effect on the, on the starting lineup, at least for the first couple of weeks. That's where, that's where I've struggled the last couple of years is the first couple of weeks with injuries suddenly hitting. Mm. So that, that for me is the big thing to look out for coming into uh, 2019. So we're going to have two things here that are going to help you immensely. <laughs> the first <laughs> is we're going to introduce you to the five-yard rush rule of 16. Yep. If you, if you see an injury report and you see that more often than not, through their history, they haven't played 16 games, there are some great examples of players here. Dalvin Cook, uh, Leonard Fournette, Sammy Watkins. These are all the sorts of players that probably will not play 16. Marcus Mariota we've mentioned. These are all the sorts of players that will not play 16 games. So you need to, when you're thinking about your draft position, you need to think about, am I going to take them around their ADP or do I devalue them less? I've always said that Leonard Fournette for me will never be drafted higher than the 7-4-8th round because I cannot value him there because I know he's going to miss five or six games. So what good is he to me if he's going to miss five or six games? And that's one of the things I noticed last season a lot was someone like, for me, Lamar Miller kept getting overdrafted for me. Yeah. He's got such a bad injury history. He is always, always going to miss three or four games at least. And yet he was always still going the first or second round, which I never understood. Yeah. And, and, and now his average has sort of seemed to have, have gone down to like the fifth round, which is fifth, sixth round. You're like, okay, he's worth a punt there because you think he yeah, is the exactly. one. Everyone drafting around him is a two. You think, okay, he's probably some value in that sort of range. But yeah, the, the first second round is just, it's just nuts. So I think they're always, the, that's the first thing is if, if they don't have a history of playing 16 games, again, you know, you're always going to get an injury. Someone is going to get injured. And if they miss a two, three games in one season, but the rest of their, their career has been pretty clean, then I've got less worry about them. But if they're consistently not able to produce 16 games, then then that's something you, I just can't draft them in their, in their ADP if they're not going to do it. One player I would look for in the later rounds, for me at least, at least initially, would be Will Fuller. He's he's looking healthy. He's looking good. I know he's coming off of yet another injury. I mean, it's been ridiculous these last few years. But when he's playing, he is just so consistent and so productive on that offense. I would definitely keep an eye out for him as a as a late round sort of backup receiver. I, I totally agree. But his his ADP is like seventy, which puts him in the seventh round, and just yeah. I think that's just a tad high, but I think if you get him in the 10th or 11th, I think he's someone that is worth a steal at that position. But I think people grab him because they've seen his highlight reel, which is phenomenal, but he's another player that just does not get, does not get those, uh, those games, which is just yes. a shame because he's got all the talent in the world. Um, the other thing we're going to do this season is we're going to work with, uh, we're still tying up the details, but we're going to have Ethan on. Ethan Turner is sort of an injury expert. So he actually does some, work with injuries what kind of injuries how long they expect to be out so ethan and i and 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 stocks here are going to work together to put out a bit of an injury report every week we're not quite sure what format that's going to take and whether it's going to be audio or written or something but um we're going to work together to put out some content on injuries week to week so it'll give you some ideas about okay this player's got this injury this injury should therefore take this many weeks because we know that nfl coaches aren't the most transparent when it comes to that sort of thing (laughs) 
No, I think I might have just found my new best friend. <laughs> Ethan, <laughs> Ethan's brilliant. So yeah, definitely. I definitely think that's the, the one to take. Certainly. Okay. So moving on to the day job. Yes. Um, so actually reporting and working for a team. What is it like to actually focus on and write about a team specifically, just knowing that you're only ever going to talk about the, the Texans and not about anybody else necessarily, unless it's like a pre-game or post-game sort of wrap-up? It's very, very different from what I was used to. I started off writing about all 32 teams in the league. So quite an adjustment, I must admit, because you put so much more emphasis on looking at the entire squad rather than just the starting players. And you have to know every single player in and out. You have to know roughly what their injury history is, roughly what their production is, roughly what their value is. You need to know their background. You need to know as much detail as you possibly can about the entire squad rather than just the starting lineup. That's the thing that took me a bit of time to adjust to, I must admit. And you have to know enough about the coaching staff as well, but not just the head coach and then the, say the wide receiver, the assistant coaches. You need to know the strength coaches. You need to know absolutely everything you can about the background of this team. So it's, it's great fun. And it's, it's, really, it's really nice being able to dive deep into a team that you genuinely are interested in, genuinely care about. That's awesome. It's, it's so great to... Uh, you know, I read a few pieces and you, you do a podcast as well, which we sort of plus later where you, you, you go through these and get guests on to talk about that in a bit of depth. So it's it's great to, to do it. But I mean, when, you, when you're actually reporting on the, the Texans themselves, where, where do you get your information from? Like, how, how does it kind of work? Some of it comes from press releases from the Texans. We get sent straight to us from the uh, Texans PR department, whether it's transcripts or, or news about trade player transactions. Uh, which will then get out as quickly as we can. Some of it comes from uh, Twitter, things like that, much as it does with most other people. Um, and then some of it comes from speaking to uh, people sort of behind the scenes, people from other other um, other companies, other people closer to the team. Sometimes if you can, you get hold of the players, that sort of thing. It's all about trying to get trying to get behind the scenes as much as you can. It's very difficult. That, I would say, is definitely the hardest part of, of the uh of the job is trying to get behind the scenes, but it's definitely the most fun because once you, you know that you've got a little bit of an, an in and you know, you've got a little bit of background knowledge that no one else has got as of yet is, is very exciting. Talking of ins, do you get to go to many press conferences? I haven't had a chance to go to too many press conferences at the moment because I'm actually living uh, just outside of Dallas. So I'm quite, I'm about three, four hours away from, from the NRG. Um, I've had some chances to go to t- team events recently. I went to the uh, Andre Johnson's entry into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. That was absolutely fantastic. Got to meet a load of people there. Got to meet him. Um, I went to the JJ Charity Classic about two weeks ago, I think it was as well. Um, but press conferences themselves, unfortunately, not yet. But that will hopefully change as time goes on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The JJ thing looks like it's a really good time it was it was absolutely great fun and it's great to see the players relax and just having a bit of fun as well you get to really see their their sort of playful side a bit more and it's really nice to see them interacting with the fans as well I mean they they, they spent 80% of the game just talking to the fans and signing autographs and stuff it was amazing that's cool and like JJ's renowned for it as well isn't he like gets to the games early walks around throws a ball about and- yeah yeah yeah, he's fantastic with the fans. He, he spends so much time with them. He actually climbed on top of the uh, defense dugout so that he could get right up to the um, the fans and sign all of their stuff and take photos with them and everything. It was absolutely brilliant to see to see him do that. And I mean, he's such a we we know his philanthropic background in terms of Hurricane Harvey last year and then in general with the JJ Foundation. He's raised so much money. I think it was over forty million with the Hurricane Harvey relief, and he's raised over five million now through the foundation. 
he said that his initial target was, I think he said $100,000 back in his junior year at college. And he's, it's just remarkable to see how far he's come. And, and now with his um, Reebok sponsorship as well, they're donating shoes to um, men and women serving for, for the U.S. Navy, I believe. And it's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, his shoes are pretty cool. Uh, I follow him on Facebook and he's when they get released and stuff, he posts pictures. And Yes. I don't, I don't know how difficult they are to get hold of, but I imagine pretty pretty tough. It's not too bad to get hold of, actually, and they're not as expensive as, as I would have expected, to be perfectly honest. But the thing about JJ that struck me most the last couple of days, I don't know if you heard the news, but him and his brothers have got a TV show coming out. No, no I've not heard this. It's called um, something along the lines of Extreme Tag or Ultimate Tag, and it's him and his, his brothers presenting it and uh, executive producing it. It's on Fox, coming out next year, I believe. Interesting. Right. I wonder if that'll be on Fox, our, t- our Fox, or just yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll record it and send it over, don't worry. I think oh, that, yeah, I was going to say, we're going to do this. If it's anything like the movie tag, I'm in. <laughs> I, think, I think, to be honest, it is that sort of ilk. That is roughly what they're going for. Yes. I mean, that sounds great. That can can be aired right after Keeping Up With The Steelers. (laughs) It's good. I can't wait for it. I really can't. I'm just hoping we actually get to see the three Watts playing it as well at some point. Who's going to play that? I can only imagine how seriously they take it. Play against them three. No thanks. I'm in. Why not? (laughs) Because I'm only tiny, Murph. I'll get annihilated. Nah, mate. It's about... Book smarts, mate. It's, it's a tactical game. It's not. It's not one on physical ability. It's it's one. In, it's one in your head. Well, I've already lost him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, playing tag against them sounds difficult. But what's the hardest thing about your job, Anthony? Uh, hardest thing on the quiet days, trying to find the best, trying to find um, good headlines on the quiet days. I think it's definitely one of the most difficult things. Um, actually, no. The most difficult thing is getting through agents, probably. That can be an absolute nightmare because I know they're, they're obviously rep- representing their their clients as best they can. But if all you want to do is speak to them, that they can oh, they can be so difficult. That's probably the most difficult thing for me is the bureaucracy around it all. Yeah, we've had a little bit of a hard time booking a guest this week, so Murph knows all about that sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what's your highlight so far today? That's a tough one. Um, possibly the Andre Johnson event because it was I, I, just brilliant um and they had jason witten at the same event as well so that was pretty cool he That's wasn't tough. he wasn't narrating a game was he because <laughs> that, that would take not. the that would take the gloss off thankfully not no um yeah god no let's let's not get into that um <laughs> no i think for me that was probably the highlight simply because he was such a He's such a legend in Houston, and he's, he's he's such a an idol for a lot of people around here. That meeting him was just brilliant. It was it That's was everything cool. I'd wanted. I bet, I bet. So, do you ever have to turn around and think, "Oh, pinch yourself"? Like, is this actually happening? Like, this is my job. I'm doing something that I love this much. And it, do you ever just turn around and think, "Is this real?" Every day, every day, especially when you get when you're in contact with people who, who you've been reading their work of for years, like the journalists down in Houston or for NFL Network or CBS or whatever. And when you when you get a chance to speak to them one on one, or when they call you, or when you get to, to just chat with them in private or whatever, it's you sort of sit there going, "How has this happened? How, how have I gotten here? This is just it's amazing. It's so much fun. Like, like you mentioned earlier, this isn't an industry where you're, you're, you where you go into thinking, right, I'm going to make a lot of money." That's not going to happen. But you come out of it with so much 
satisfaction on days like that when you get to speak to players and speak to other people that you really respect that it's just so much fun. Oh, 100%. Murph and I, Tuesday's best day of the week for us because we always podcast mostly on a Tuesday and it's just, we're just a couple of guys in Surrey you know, <laughs> chatting about football when last week we spoke to Mark Sessler from around yes, the NFL yeah. and that was me, like to think I'm just a guy and I listen to his podcast regularly and then here we are talking about his childhood in Weybridge just down the road from us and stuff. It's madness. Like, it is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, we, uh, we had the same thing. I've, I've been doing the podcast now for, for a couple of months and I've had uh, Chris Presser from CBS on. I've had Aaron Wilson and John McLean on from The Chronicle. I've had uh, Drew Dotty and DP from The Texans on. I've had uh, a couple of other. Solomon Wilcox came on one as well. Just getting to speak to these people is just fantastic because they're, they're such interesting people and, and they're so nice as well. Everyone, everyone couldn't be nicer. Yeah, well, we've found that as well, haven't we, Murph? Everybody's so nice. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's like a, it's just like a really close knit community where everybody was willing to chip in and help him in whatever regard. you know, to have the the sort of guests we are, like yourself, like I know you're from here and you, you've listened to the podcast, but even so, it's just like you just think, yeah, let's let's make it happen. Let's come on and and let's get a date and sort it out. It was quick and easy. And we've had people that are just quite happy just to volunteer forty five minutes yeah. an hour of their time and just think it's. It's amazing. None of us are earning money off it. We're doing it purely because we love the game and we love chatting and we love making those connections. And we've we've got guests that we've had on that genuinely we talk to, like just afterwards, just send messages or advice or whatever. We see something they like, we share it out, and they share our content. And it's just, it's. Just, I don't think there's another industry where it's like that, where it's not about competition. It's about you share excellence or you share what you like and everybody gets on there's no i don't think there's much of the whole competition killing people like you know killing the yeah. competition. It, it's not it's competitive but it's not unhealthy competition it's about raising the bar to the best standard of, of of what's out there and i think that's what we enjoy about it is genuine friends that we've made through doing this so yeah and i find it i always find it very ironic that we're in we're covering a sport that is so cutthroat and so competitive and yet everyone else surrounding it is is so helpful and nice to each other and it's just brilliant yeah absolutely so last question then in terms of your career today obviously you've you've achieved so much so quickly where would you what would be the next phase of your career obviously not trying to fast forward or anything but just to sort of go where would be the ambition if you were if we were doing this a couple of years or five years from now where what would you really love to be doing in the media I would love to be working for a, for one of the bigger networks, say say NFL Network, or I'd love to be working for Sky Sports, to be honest, something out like of the BBC. I really want to help do what I can to, to promote Brits in the NFL, because as we know, it's getting so much, especially with the NFL Academy that's just been announced. There are going to be more and more Brits playing in the NFL over the coming years, and there are some really talented players coming out of the UK, and Americans are now starting to get an insight into just how knowledgeable so many Brits are about the sport and how passionate they are about the sport. And I really want to help promote that as much as I can, because there are so many people in the UK that I think could and should have a future in and around the NFL. And if I can have some part to play in that, then I'll be over the moon. Well, you know, we we get to see the NFL UK sort of group expanding and and, and stuff like that on a weekly basis, just just through doing the podcast. So for you actually to be the other side of the pond and, and working you know, in and around the Texans, it just shows the outreach that the UK is having on the NFL. So if it continues to grow and, and you can get yourself into the, the upper echelons, then more power to you. Thank you. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, I can always hope, right? 
for sure. <laughs> I think I think you're going to do it, man. Just uh, keep grinding. You're putting great content out there. You're getting on the radar. You're doing the right things, and you know it. You've got the tenacity and the drive to do it. Is it, is it follow your own advice. Keep networking. You never know who you might meet. And get a business card off or a yeah. WhatsApp off, and it could all happen, man. It could. It could. It'd be, it'd be pretty awesome to to see you do to achieve those ambitions and dreams. And and when you do, don't worry. I'll, I'll be giving you a call. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Right, Anthony. Why don't you tell Rush Nation where they can find you, your articles, where you are on Twitter, and so forth. So make sure to follow me on Twitter at ARWoodNFL. Uh, follow my articles at the Texans Wire of USA Today or on Texans Wire on Twitter. Um, and of course, keep an eye out as well on Texans Talk podcast at Audio Boom and weinetwork.com, where I've just started as the NFL correspondent for them. I'll be on later today. Boom! Where, where is the podcast found? Because I, I, I did listen to it, but I only found it through Audio Boom itself. I couldn't find you on like iTunes or, or anything like that. Is it available anywhere else for our listeners? As far as I'm aware at the moment, it's just on Audio Boom. Unfortunately, we're not anywhere else at this point in time. But the best place to find it would be on the Texans Wire Facebook page, uh, Twitter page or the website itself, because we always post an article with the link to every podcast. There you go, folks. That's where you find it. So all you Texans fans or people who want to learn more, about NFC South competition or AFC South competition. <laughs> Make sure you dial in and listen because there's some great insights in there. Thanks very much, gents. No, Anthony, it's been a pleasure. We hope one day maybe you'll come back. Oh, absolutely. And we'll, we'll ha- I'll have to uh, take you up on that beer, definitely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's already take out the beer and uh, we'll, we'll make sure it's good beer too. None of this. <laughs> that people pedal uh we'll make sure it's something good and uh yeah it'd be just good to catch up have a couple of beers and yeah we'll definitely get you on again especially um we'll, we'll look to get you on either around sort of camps or pre-season and give us a bit of a depth as to what we can look forward to from the texans this year certainly thank you very much it's been great to be on the show you're welcome anytime right big man i will chat to you tomorrow anthony this has been a pleasure but rush nation until next time don't forget keep rushing HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 